And the recruiter came back to me and said, I don't think you realize your brand. And that was the first time someone had ever said to me about brand. And that kind of started triggering these thoughts cascading down about, okay, well, I guess I do. What does that look like? And it really started kind of an internal process of realizing that voice had value. My voice in particular had value. Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. Firsthand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there. And plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is designed for people just like you who are looking to own your career, turn up the volume, and lead with your brand new year to your next career breakthrough. Well, we are on step two of the lead with your brand system. Now, if you missed the original step, go ahead and check out last week's episode where we talked all about defining your career audience. Today, we're all about knowing what we stand for because here's the dirty little secret. We can all smell inauthenticity from a mile away and it reeks. You know, I have coaching clients all of the time that come to me and they say things like, I want to be like Steve Jobs, or I really want my style to be like Sheryl Sandberg, or I want to be like Oprah. Well, here's the truth. You ain't Oprah and you're never going to be her. Now, who you are is you and what you can be is the best you that you can be. So in order to have a great brand, you need to start by thinking authentically about what your brand is today because we all have that brand. What are those words and adjectives that people have used to describe you? Sometimes you have heard these words since you were a little kid. What is it that people love about you? Now, you know that on every single episode, I ask my guest, if you were a type of car, what type of car would you be? Now, this is your strategic homework for this week. Ask yourself, if you were a type of car, what type of car would you be? Now, it's super fun, but here's the deal. Doing this work on ourselves is really difficult because we are truly humble people. Nobody likes to brag and say crazy, amazing things about themselves. But if you think of yourself as a type of car, you can start to find those elements that are authentically the best you. So I will tell you, one time I was uh, at a huge conference and I pulled someone out of the audience because the whole table was waving that I had to come and talk to this woman. And I gave her the microphone and asked her what type of car she would be. And here I'm thinking she's going to say some fantastic car. 
And what she said was, I am like a station wagon, one of those old beat up station wagons. And the entire conference center started laughing, including myself, because I had never heard someone kind of compare themselves to a station wagon. But I said to myself, or I said to her, why are you like one of those old beat up station wagons? And she grabbed that mic and she proudly looked out across the 2000 people in this ballroom. And she said, I am like one of those station wagons because I'm not sexy and I am not cool, but I get the job done. I won't get you there the fastest, but I'm going to get you there the safest. And I always have room for more people to get in. I'm always welcoming people in and getting them to where they need to go. And no one ever drives me off the road. And you know what? The entire audience stood up and applauded. Now, why did they applaud? Because just in terms of thinking about what type of car she would be, this woman articulated in two minutes exactly what her brand was. It was welcoming. It was about including people. It was about getting people to a destination safely. It was about being rugged. And it certainly wasn't about being flashy or sexy or cool. So I'm going to challenge you to think, what type of car would you be? Now, it might be a brand of car, but it could also just be a style of car. I mean, when I think about what type of car I would be, I would be a Jeep Wrangler. And so many of you know, I've only driven Jeep Wranglers for the past 25 years. But I love Jeep Wranglers because I remember my friend Megan Larson in high school when she turned 16, her grandmother got her a beautiful white Jeep Wrangler. And I remember driving to the Glendale Galleria in Los Angeles with the top down and loving how it felt. And I said, you know what? I'm like this. And then in the 90s, I saw that movie Clueless, right, with Alicia Silverstone as Cher driving through Bel Air. And so while other people might be a Jeep Wrangler, that's all about like off-roading and macho and army driven and all of those different things. You know what? I'm like that Jeep Wrangler that Megan Larson and Cher in Clueless had because I am fun. I am sassy. I'm a little bit showy. I'm sporty and I'm still a little bit rugged and driven there. So you think about what type of car you are. I want you to find five to eight words that resonate with you. You know, maybe you're analytical, maybe you're organized, maybe you're innovative. Figure out what those five to eight words are, because these are going to become your authentic brand attributes that are truly you. Now, here's the key. It's got to be authentic. This is not imagining what type of car I want to be, because your brand has to be based in the reality of who you are. Now, you can do this work on yourself by thinking about what type of car you would be. My second piece of homework is for you to go out and ask people. Go out and ask people. In fact, I'm going to challenge you to send a text message, send an email, pick up the phone. I want you to call or solicit at least 10 people. And all I want you to ask them is, what are three words that describe me? when I'm at my best? 
What are three words that describe me when I am at my best? Now, if you can get responses from 10 people, that's 10 times three words. That's 30 words plus the words that you came up with when you thought about what type of car you would be. You know I love Post-its. I want you to put all of those words, even the duplicates, down on those Post-its and group them together. Can you find those five to eight keywords or themes that are authentically you? Because your brand has got to be authentic. This is not about being someone that you're not. It's about being who you are. And next week, we're going to refine those words so that you can be the best you that you can be. I am super excited for my guest today. Her name is Maureen Anderson, and she is the president and CEO of the International Ticketing Association, also known as Intix. Now, she is deeply committed to advancing the work and the professionalism of fan and patron engagement through ticketing, marketing, and the customer service innovations and best practices. Now, Maureen brings a wealth of ticketing and live entertainment experience to Intix, having worked with Audience View, Broadway SF, Pasiolin, and the Denver Center for the Performing Arts. She's the recipient of several high-profile awards from Intix, Future Tix, Venue Nows, and Northeastern Junior College. For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. All right, and we are back with Maureen Anderson, the president and CEO of the International Ticketing Association. Maureen, what's going on? I've got a conference coming up, so I've got about a thousand balls in the air, and I'm tap dancing at the same time. Well, I am super excited for Intex Live because I'm going to be your your closing keynote speaker there. But let's jump in, Maureen. For people who don't know who you are, how do you explain who you are and what you do when you meet folks? Oh, the elevator speech, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> the short version is... I work for an association and I represent the people who are the magic behind the button, which always kind of makes them pause and give me a quizzical spaniel tilt head look. And then I explain further is that we are the people, the technologies, the engine behind live entertainment ticketing, who when you push a button to buy a ticket to a a game or to a Broadway show or to a concert or to a festival or a museum, we're the infrastructure, we're the people behind that make all of that work. In my association, we represent those people. So I know that you have the big Intex Live International Conference and Exhibition coming up. It's your first all-digital conference ever. What are you excited about? I'm excited about the world we've created. We went out on, we took a gamble with the software that we chose and that it's an avatar based. Our group is a very, no matter whether you've worked for somebody or work again with somebody or you worked in a building, now you work for a vendor, is we're a close knit community. 
and even competitors have hugged. I mean, we're, we're famous for hugs and, and we're very passionate when we're together. And I've tried to create with an t- amazing team, this world where we have avatars. The only thing we can't do is hug. And the great thing is, is we don't have to wear masks as, as avatars. And the, the, the way the community has stepped up to provide programming that is about the industry post-pandemic, not necessarily just about pandemic, the exhibitors who have chosen to come, the, the technology which will drive us to be able to still do a networking thought leadership and case studies, what's worked, what hasn't worked, what's going to be the technology of the future, how are we reinventing ourselves? There's an energy that excites me about coming into this world to to still do this in our normal time slot at the end of January. And the people have always been the secret sauce, and it's going to be the people again coming into a new world. You know, you're hiding behind your avatar. I don't even have to put clothes on. I could be in my pajamas, but my <laughs> avatar, I get to change my clothes every day. Loving that. And and who are you excited to have speak at the conference? You. No, I <laughs> other than other than you. I mean, I'm very excited to have you. Is I'm I'm very excited uh to also have our diversity, equity, and inclusion and access panel, our town hall. We need to have this conversation and we need to start that journey. And these ladies and gentlemen are, are going to help facilitate that for us. So I'm excited to have Amy Grasa, who is coming from Caesars Entertainment and she's got Caesar properties all around the world. Anthony Esposito, who is with the Atlanta Braves, who's also our chair of the board. Kay Burnham, who is this incredibly thoughtful, mindful, smart, uh, recently mastered degree during a pandemic. She got a master's degree from Segersham Center at the Performing Arts down in your neck of the woods. Simon Mab, Eric Rosenberg, CQ Tix. We have a full inspiration stage with 20 bite-sized 15-minute sessions. We've got wellness. We have Darren Mitch from the Phoenix Suns, Liz Bakir from Berkeley, who is going to be doing yoga for some of our wellness, Karen Sullivan, who is out on the East Coast, who's retired from years at the Meadowlands and various uh, football teams and sports entities. It's it's a real depth of bench that we've got for this various this conference this year. Well, I'm super excited, and I know your membership is excited to come together for the first time in this digital space. But Maureen, talk to me a little bit about your own career. When you look back, what have been some of the biggest career breakthrough moments for you? That's always an interesting question because there's so many of them in that I have to take a little step backwards is that I've sat in kind of all of the chairs along that path. So I was... A, an executive at the venue level for a very large not-for-profit organization in Denver. And then I worked for the technology side of things and deployed and did business consulting. Then I was in sales for technology. So it's kind of like each one of these, these moments were breakthroughs as I reinvented myself. So I went from being boots on the ground at a venue, sitting in that big chair, to then going over to the other side where I was working with the people who were the boots 
on the ground in the sitting in those chairs. So each one of those components were kind of like mini breakthroughs, reinventions, if you were, of who and what I was. What was nice about it is that I got to take the knowledge and the strengths of what I had learned with me to each of those next kind of levels and steps. And I hate to say that it's actually a career, you know, path necessarily, but it was like inflection points, like you like to use the words. There was the moments of what do I want to be when I want to grow up? Or more importantly, what do I not want to be? And where do I go next to be of the most value? So Maureen, take me back to the very beginning. What did little Maureen want to do? Did you always <laughs> want to work in, in entertainment and sports and, and cool things? How how did you get into the business to begin with? It's very funny. We always talk about it in ticks is that nobody woke up and decided to one day to be, hey, mom, I'm going to be a ticketing professional. You know, back in, <laughs> you know, I went to school to be an actress, but I found out rather quickly that, you know, I wasn't going to feed myself on that side, side of the footlights. It was going to be on the other side. And, but, but I was always involved in performing arts, music, the, the arts in general, and involved myself in that from the time that I was very young. And I was stage struck from the moment I saw my first Broadway show on a live stage, which was Unsinkable Molly Brown when I was nine. Uh. And then it went from there. And I love show business. I love everything about it. So that I found a way to be in it and to feed myself and my family and have a... a a damn good career is is the silver lining to it all. Yeah. So, Maureen, talk to me about one of those key inflection points where you literally had to say, wow, this is like not what I want to do. And that helped drive you forward in your in your journey. It's always been easier for me, Jason, to say what I didn't want in my life. Um, I was never really clear or easily guided by what is it I want to do. I couldn't set those kind of big goals. And maybe it's a limitation of of imagination, but it was, what do I not want? Um, I didn't want to be in a cube. I didn't want to be sitting in an office in a cube and or a cube farm. I wanted to be mobile. So it was, what does that mean? It's like I'm open to travel. So I spent 16 years on the road and was still basically a lot of, of road work and a road warrior up until the, the pandemic hit. My moments were also fear-based, is can I do this? And I had to take the leap that the universe hasn't brought me this far to dump me on my head. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, each inflection point was is that I had to go out on the limb. I had to do things that were uncomfortable, that were foreign, that stretched my imagination and every bit of chops that I had. And, you know, f- courage isn't the absence of fear. It's doing it and, st- you know, in, in, what's that, what's that quote? It's not the absence of fear, but doing it anyway. You do it anyway. Absolutely. And so I, I, I'm so intrigued by you saying that fear was a driver, but in the opposite way that most people say, right? So many people say like, you know, I didn't take that because I was fearful of it. Instead, you really went out on a limb. So what's one of those specific examples where you really just dove into something knowing that you weren't sure if you could do it? Sales. 
I mean, to turn into, you know, a, a, an executive in sales was really odd for me because I had always been on the other side. I had always been either the person who was being deployed with the technology or I was the one who was deploying the technology. Now I was in charge of actually driving a pipeline and driving sales and closing deals. And I was very, very fearful of that. And I wasn't sure how to do it. I mean, I had no training. So the only thing I knew to do is, is that, okay, I have relationships, fundraising and sales, and all of this is basically the same thing. It's about creating relationships. And the best piece of advice I got was don't try and be somebody else, be yourself. You're in this spot because someone wanted what you had. And When I released myself to do that instead of trying to copy somebody else's style was to take the best of what I had seen from others before me or that I had worked with and bring those pieces and then leave the rest of it out. Let's talk about your style. Let's talk about your brand. How would you describe your brand as an executive? Stable. Authentic. Consistent. And she suits up and shows up. What does that mean? Is that I get dressed and ready to play. Is that I am there. I am there with everything that I have. That I am engaged. That I'm present. That I am in the moment with what I am doing. And that's not to mean that I I don't, you know, future cast for goals and set strategy and things like that. But when I am either with my members or with vendors or partners or sponsorships, uh, sponsorship partners is I'm in the moment with them to deliver. Because we all need something that we need to deliver. There's an ROI that both people, sets of people need in whatever conversations that they're having. And my job is to ferret that out and to find out how I can deliver that in a honorable, intrinsic kind of inclusive way. And it, it's a lot of me getting out of the way. So say more about that. What does that mean to get out of the way, Maureen? That it's not about me. And I may be a conduit to something else. For me, that means that I can have goals and I can have an outcome that I may need or that they may need. But it's being able to intently listen, to pay attention, to listen to the cues, to honor somebody else's path and or conversation or needs or desires or values and how do we make those work? Sometimes they don't. And sometimes I have to know when, when it's okay to walk away from it too. And that it just may not be a good fit. And that doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. It just means that right now we may not be a good fit in what we're trying to do. And we may be trying to shoehorn something to force something. That for me is that intuitive no knowledge of it coming up out of my gut, out of my heart, not necessarily my head, because my head says, don't walk away from a deal. But my heart and my stomach is telling me, this isn't right. It may not be right ever, but it's not right now. Right now. And doing that with, with some honor and, and honesty. You know, I learned a long time ago that no is a complete sentence. And it's okay. You can say no. If that makes sense. 
<laughs> so I know there's so many people who are listening that they know that they want to say no, but they don't know how to do that in a way that maintains relationships. What what are some tips that you have for when you identify, hey, this isn't a good fit, but this doesn't have to be, this can still be an amicable relationship moving forward? Human beings want to fill gaps of silence. So it's like when you're doing fundraising or you're doing an ask in fundraising is that you do the ask and then it takes the discipline and the patience to sit in silence. The same thing happens with no is you human beings want to justify and or put it out there is that no, but, or no, and sometimes it's just like, you know, well, when I was in the sales side is, does your product do X, Y, Z? And the answer was no. And you don't have to, you don't have to, it's being comfortable in the silence that comes after the word no. And that takes patience and not wanting to fill it because we want to talk too much or we're apologizing for saying no or justifying it or somehow backtracking on it that they're going to think less of me if I happen to set a boundary that just says, you know, the frank no. It doesn't have to be yelled. It's not aggressive. It could just be, no, we don't do that. And then shutting up. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about that time when you first realized that you had a brand and it was important to manage your brand. Well, it actually came really late. The real aha moment came for me when I was actually recruited for my current position. And I've been involved with Intix for 40 plus years as a member, a board member, committees. I've hosted conferences. I've done all of the stuff and won their wonderful awards. But I was being recruited to be their CEO and their chief executive. And the recruiter came back to me and said, I don't think you realize your brand. Mm. And that was the first time someone had ever said to me about brand. And that kind of started triggering these thoughts cascading down about, okay, well, I guess I do. What does that look like? Um, And it really started kind of an internal process of realizing that voice had value. My voice in particular had value. And then, you know, the really cataclysmic moment came during the, you know, the the early days of, of the pandemic when I was really grappling. My industry has shut down lock, stock and barrel. There are no live events. And, you know, the few that we're seeing, you know, with, with socially distant seats and a handful of football games and a few basketball games and, and baseball, but you know, there's no live theater. There's, there's none of that. There's drive-in theater or drive-in operas. But for the most part, this industry is shut down. And I had to grapple with what is my role and what is the role of this association going to be for people who are being devastated by it, losing their jobs, being furloughed, being shut down for an interminable amount of time. We were the first industry to close. We'll be the last one to open. 
and Maureen, I know you and I are both fans of of Mark Cuban as an amazing business yes. person. And, and you and I had been talking about sort of some of the comments that he's made during the pandemic around really to the notion that our brand is really defined in gray skies, not blue skies. So in these gray skies of the pandemic and, and really the major closure of of this industry, how is your brand showing through? What what is that voice? What what is it that the industry would say about you during these tough times? That I've been there. I'm a champion. I champion my people. I champ not my people, I mean my industry. I champion the human beings who are who make this industry work. I'm a champion and that's my job and I take it seriously and I I'm here to help them shine and I'm honored. I mean, I'm truly, truly grateful and honored for that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm hearing this whole notion of being a champion and being a cheerleader. How is that different than maybe the brand that you had prior to COVID? I don't think it's necessarily different. I just think it's more refined. I think it's sharper. So, Maureen, thinking broadly beyond just entertainment and and beyond ticketing, you know, what is it that you think that leaders should be doing during this time of crisis and the pandemic? Listening to their customers, listening to their stakeholders. And I, when I say listening, I don't mean just, you know, listening like casually in a conversation. I mean, listening with intent because our customers are going to tell us what they need. And I, I think across a broad section is making sure that, you know, we do a lot of customer support and service at this point in time during a pandemic because it's during a pandemic, is that what have we learned in this? And if we haven't learned anything, then it's it's for naught. So my, my example is that when we go back to business as usual, kind of regardless of what it is, is falling back and going, oh, those were our pandemic rules. And then just reverting back to what was easy or what we thought was normal, because normal was not necessarily the best thing in the world. And we get this moment in time as a reset to to focus on what does it really mean in, in our businesses to be in of service? Does it align with our missions and our brands and who we want to be? And that Everybody has a, I've discovered, everyone has a brand, whether you think you do or not. And the brand you have may not be the one you really want. Mm. But if you're going to behave to that, then that's the brand you got. So it's got to be more of a partnership in, you know, in, in business and service. And those organizations that take the time with me as a consumer are those who are going to be rewarded with my business. Because if I hear the words once, oh, well, we did that during the pandemic, but we don't have to do that anymore. To me, that's like this giant signal. How are we taking care of our employees? How are we really valuing what they do and what they bring to our organizations and businesses? And, you know, the there's a lot of people who need work, so their dispensable attitude I don't think is is good. For me, a pandemic should leave us to some form of humanity and a little bit more of a a humanistic point of view. And that's the kind of businesses that I look to. 
And I love that you put that whole notion of, you know, we're not going back to the same, oh. right? It's it's the next normal. It's like we we can't put the toothpaste back into the in, into the tube, right? But if you try to, you're probably going to get punished, right? Yeah, and and why would you want to do that? Why would you want to return to something that may have been clunky or, or, or difficult or problematic or in the way that, you know, that adage is even more clear now is that, well, we've always done it that way. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a good way. It just means that there hasn't been any thought or intention put to the way you are doing things. How do you show up as the full authentic Maureen? I tell the truth. I am vulnerable enough to share where I may be at a given point in time is that if I have a feeling or a fear or a consternation is that there's probably somebody else who has it and that I've lost the, the fear of having my own voice is that that my voice does have value. However, it must be honest. It can't be, you know, marketing spin. It it has to be it has to be backed up with stuff that's authentic and real and that is that is about me. And that includes saying when I'm fearful or when I'm sad or when I'm scared or um when I don't know. For me is saying the words to my constituency is that I don't know or I need help is incredibly valuable. And it took me a really, really long term to learn how to say those kind of things because I was always afraid that I'd be judged for not being the smartest person in the room. And it took time and it took a lot of, you know, introspection and therapy and, you know, self-help groups and and reading and writing and meditation and all kinds of, of things to get there. And some days I'm not there. Some days I am. Maureen, as we wind down thinking all about brand, what's your favorite brand? What are you obsessed with or what can't you live without? Oh, well, that's not hard. Starbucks. I love, (laughs) I love my Starbucks and Ralph Lauren. Sadly, yes, I will say it is, you know, I love a pony shirt. I love my pony glasses (laughs) As I'm looking at popped uh, popped polo collars right uh, now, you know, I it's like I read the preppy handbook and just never lost left it. So, <laughs> and if you were a type of car, what type of car would you be, Maureen? I'm a Mercedes. And why? Uh, because I know how to go from zero to ninety really quickly on the autobahn, and I am sleek and comfortable and I like a smooth ride. So I, I I'm smooth and I'm even and I'm consistent and, but I have a strong engine. And finally, what's the best career advice that you'd like to pass on to our listeners today? Oh, that's easy. Raise your hand, do it all wherever your passion lies. Don't wait for someone to invite you is invite yourself Ask for forgiveness later, you know, if that's the whole thing, is that you put your hand up, volunteer to do things, learn as much as you can and be teachable and continue to be cheap, teachable. You know, even if you've been in a profession for 
however many years, is that if you're open to learning new things and you listen and take advantage of opportunities that may seemingly be parallel, is do them anyway. Well, Maureen, thank you so much for joining us. I can't wait to see you and the entire International Ticketing Association crowd at Intex Live. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Jason. It's been my honor, my privilege, and thanks for having me. Of course. And we'll be back with my final thoughts in just a few moments. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. Well, I don't know about you, but I just loved that conversation with Maureen. There were so many great things in that conversation, but it really comes back to this whole notion of being your authentic self. And step number two in the lead with your brand system is all about defining who you authentically are. One of the things that I love that Maureen was able to do was she was able to rattle off this whole word bank of words that describe her. And she even used that whole notion of authentically describing her. And that's what I want to make sure that you do. So make sure that you visit leadwithyourbrand.com and download our worksheet for this week. It is going to guide you by coming up with words all over post-its. And then I want you to group those together so that you have four to eight unique words that can drive your brand forward, but in an authentic way. Well, I've been super thrilled to join you this week, and I hope you join us next week for the Lead With Your Brand podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, go ahead and hit subscribe, and we'd always love to hear your feedback in the form of a review. Of course, follow me on all social media platforms at at Jason Patria, and check me out on LinkedIn, where I share tons of tips throughout the week on how to lead with your brand. And just remember, in your career, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.